great, isn't it, to uh, yeah, take communion and remember how amazing our God is and, and what he's done through his son Jesus on the cross. Let's, let's pray. Let's uh, pray to him now. Oh, Father God, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to be reminded of your death and resurrection. And Father, would you continue to make that uh, more and more real in our lives? Father God, we want to uh, know with uh, ever-increasing understanding what, the, what this is, Lord. And uh, we pray that as we uh, come to read your word tonight, Father, that you would change us, that you would not leave us the same. Father God, we want to grow. We want to become more like your son, Jesus Christ. Father, change us, we pray. Convict us, we pray. Lead us, we pray. By your Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, irrelevance. Irrelevance is defined as not having practical application to the real world. Ever been given advice by an older person, for example, a parent, and it's been advice that is completely irrelevant? Uh, they nag you, they tell you over and over again, and it's like, oh my goodness, me! It's like, this has no relevance to my life. So irritating until it becomes relevant. And then it's even more irritating. <laughs> I can remember my dad um, always telling me uh, not to pick up anything too heavy. His famous thing was like, yeah, don't bust your gut, Phil, you know, constantly warning me about the effects of lifting heavy things um, on my back. I didn't listen because why would I? I'm indestructible. And, uh, you know, it might happen to someone else, but it's never going to happen to me. Um, I didn't listen for the main reason that a back injury was so far removed from my thinking. It, was, it had no relevance. It was so disconnected um, from my life at the time, having no back injury. And then my back cacked itself. And uh, for a week, I found myself lying on my back, uh, unable to stand or, or sit down for any longer than two minutes at a time. And uh, I, had plenty, I had plenty of time to remember all the words my dad <laughs> kept kind of sharing upon me. Um, back pain now, for me, is close at hand. Back pain and advice about it is, is no longer irrelevant. You know, it seems... Um, that we often hear in our community, um, the world outside, if you like, that God is pretty much irrelevant. That even though uh, people on the whole, and you, I reckon you could ask people at your work, your uni, um, your family who don't know Jesus, ask them if they believe in that there's something out there, and they'll agree. They'll say, yep, there's some being, there's some entity, there's something, some greater power out there, but they still feel like God is irrelevant. Now, I reckon uh, that the feeling that God is irrelevant comes from the fact that God is like out there. Do you know what I mean? He is big and amazing and beyond like everything. And here I am in this world living here. I mean, God's out there and I'm here. It's like, and the disconnection, the feeling of separation from God makes God appear irrelevant. 
So is God irrelevant? Now, you're here at church tonight. Um, so you are veterans. You know, you know all about this God um, person. But are you feeling disconnected to God? You know, so God is lacking a bit of relevance in your life. So you're here, but you know God to you. Is he still just out there? Can't kind of grab him, so he's irrelevant. Well, tonight we're um, continuing on in our series on Exodus. And in the passage um, we're going to be looking at, it's, uh, Moses is asking the same kind of question. God, what is your relevance to our situation? Are you relevant, God? And so we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 5. Verses 22, and if you, have, if you have your Bibles there, it's a great thing to keep them open and make sure I'm not making lies up as I go along. If you don't normally bring one to church, um, yeah, get into the habit, it's a great thing. So Exodus chapter 5 from verse 22. Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. I knew it. Moses is saying, I knew it was going to be like this. Moses went to Pharaoh. He told him that God was saying, let, let his people go so they can worship him in the desert. And the result was for Pharaoh to basically... For Pharaoh to up the mistreatment even more, to treat the people of God even worse. Moses going, you haven't rescued your people at all. Moses has like this serious case of the doubts. And I kind of um, got me to think, I wonder what the cause of his doubt is. You know, does, does Moses doubt God because he reckons he can't do it? So he doubts because he reckoned he hasn't got the power? Or does um, Moses doubt God because he kind of believes that he won't act? So not that he can't, but that he actually won't act. In a sense, because God doesn't normally intervene in the lives of people. And I reckon it's probably more to do with the second reason. Doubting God because he chooses not to interact in the lives of people. It's like God's choice. So Moses believes that God has the power to do whatever he wants, you know, as demonstrated in the fact that he created the world. But he just doesn't believe God would interact in the lives of mere people. It's probably the same reason we doubt God will do things. So here's a hypothetical. Imagine this is you. You break your leg crowd surfing at a, high, at a high five concert. Pretty hard to imagine, but I'm just playing with your minds here. You come to church and someone says, can I pray for your leg that God would heal your leg? And you with slight hesitation say yes, because all good Christians pray. Yeah. But at the same time, you doubt that anything is going to happen. Now, do we doubt because we believe God hasn't got the power to heal? No, we doubt because we think he doesn't care really probably enough to heal my leg, to kind of worry about such 
a small thing perhaps. Now, it doesn't have to be healing. It could be something like you've had a really tough time in life, but you feel like God, uh, but you won't ask God because you feel like he's not really going to intervene and answer your prayer. After all, I'm just Phil, you know, or I'm just Simon, or I'm just Matt, or I'm just Sarah, or I'm just Michelle, or I'm just, and you can add your name in there. Let me introduce to you, to you uh, a couple of biggish words. Transcendence and imminence. This is audience participation time. Can anyone give me a definition of transcendence and imminence? Speak up. Boldly. <laughs> Paul. Okay, transcendence, rising above, imminence coming soon. Not bad, not bad. Like your effort, Paul. Give him a look at that. That was good. It's a bold thing to do in a Baptist church, you know. When referring to God, a transcendent God would be completely outside of, outside of and above the physical universe. A transcendent God is superior to and independent from anything that he has created. An imminent God... M-I-N, not M-A-N. An imminent God would be present and active within the created order. An imminent God is present and active within nature, within human nature, within history. So it seems that the statement that Moses is saying about his relationship with God, he says, I believe that you are a transcendent God, but I question you in your imminence. I believe that you're powerful and almighty God, that you are outside and above all creation, but I'm not sure if you would deign to come into close proximity with people. And I reckon this question is a question that are on the lips of the Israelite people. And it's a question that perhaps some of us here are asking too. And the people outside in the community around us are asking as well. I believe that you are transcendent, but I question you and your imminence. And it's the question of, is God just out there and therefore untouchable and distant and irrelevant to my life? Or is God imminent? Is God close and therefore totally relevant? I wonder if this is your question tonight. Even as a believer, is this your question? Well, the question is asked uh, and God answers. In the next few verses, God reveals something very amazing about himself. Two names of God, revealing two important realities about God. God Almighty which in the original Hebrew language is El Shaddai. And the other name, the Lord, which in the Hebrew is Yahweh. So please look with me back at um, 5 or should, yeah, at five verse 1. Verse 1? Yeah. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand... 
he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. So here is God revealing himself as almighty, all-powerful God, El Shaddai. And El Shaddai is often used to communicate the transcendent attributes of God. God says, this is who I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as, as El Shaddai, as a mighty, powerful, transcendent God. And you can you know, imagine the people of Israel in Egypt. And all the people, they know that God is this transcendent one. He's amazing. He is mighty, but he appears distant and somewhat irrelevant to daily life. But now with Moses, God reveals something else. So in verse 2 it says, God also said to Moses, I'm Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. So Yahweh, this is a name is not a reference to transcendence only, but to a God who is imminent in the lives of people. So Yahweh is God who is passionately interested in people and who interacts with people. Yahweh is God who makes a covenant with people. So he makes a promise. He makes a, a personal agreement, if you like, who promises to faithfully keep it because he loves people and he wants what is best for them. So then he says in verse 4, Yahweh also established, or he says, I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Here is Yahweh, deeply interested in the lives of people. Now for Israel at the time of Moses, it's the beginning of a new era. Because God is growing their understanding of him. He is transcendent, yes, but he is also imminent, present and active in their lives. This concept for them is both foreign and extraordinary. It's never happened before in the lives of the people of God. Yahweh continues to unpack to Moses how amazing it is for the people. So from verse 6, he says to Moses, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh, and I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I'll bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. God is not disinterested in his people. God profoundly cares for his people. He is transcendent and imminent. And he's going to demonstrate how uh, active he's going to be, how present in their lives he will be. 
So even some of the words, if you look um, through that last passage, he says, I will bring you. I will free you. I will redeem you. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I'm Yahweh. I will give it to you, you know, the land. It's such deeply personal language, isn't it? This kind of activity of God with people, it's unheard of up to this point in time. A transcendent God, yet so personal. At the start of the year, um, in the evening service, we watched a DVD um, with a speaker called Louis Giglio. Does anyone remember that? Some of you, perhaps? Um, And in his talk, which was called Indescribable, he, uh, he painted a picture of the, of the universe, of the immense, incomprehensible scale of the universe. And uh, the earth in comparison to the rest of the created universe. And he, he kind of, I think the, from memory it was like a, a marble is the earth and the scale to the rest of the universe is like putting that marble in the middle of Australia or in the middle of the, the US. So it's like tiny compared with how big the universe is. He uh, paints... Uh, uh, yeah, and a few words stuck in my mind. But he, he paints this huge um, picture of the universe and then this, the insignificant size of the planet, of marble, yeah? And then the even more insignificant um, nature of a little itty-bitty person on the little itty-bitty planet. And then, uh, you know, he said something like this. Um, some of you are thinking, hang on, hang on, Louis. You're making me feel so small. And then he says, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm just telling you that you are small. It's like, oh. Yet what uh, Louis Giglio goes on to say and what, we're, and what we hear in the passage tonight is that same God who formed and fashioned and moulded the universe is also deeply interested in the lives with people like you and I. But it gets even better, right? Because Moses doesn't know what happens in his future or in the future of the people of God. It's uh, what we have heard of and look back to in hindsight. God gets even closer. So check out this. John 1 um, verse 1 reads, In the beginning was the word. Another name for Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, was Jesus, and the Word was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. And in verse 14, the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So he's speaking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God part of the triune God, part of the three-in-one Trinitarian God, Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. God taking on human flesh. This is God demonstrating to people that he is positively interested in their lives. Picture it, God walking around the streets of Jerusalem. God eating food with people in the town of Nazareth. Turning water into wine at a wedding banquet. Telling people that he loves them. And that he wants them to put their faith in him. Telling people that they 
can become a part of his family for all eternity. God with us, asking us to follow him, that's close. That is relevant. But wait, there's more. It gets even better because now today it's not just God with us. But the offer is to have God in us. God in us. John 14 from 15 says, this is Jesus talking, if, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I'll ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And verse 25, Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So for those who receive the offer of forgiveness, through putting their trust and faith in Jesus, those who turn from living for themselves and being their own king and choose to follow Jesus and live for him as their king, The gift is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in you. God in us. God guiding us, changing us, convicting us, comforting us. That we may know we are His and that He's making us more like Jesus. This is so relevant. And then check this out. Listen to this about God's spirit. Back in Genesis, world hasn't been created. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The same transcendent spirit of God imminently indwelling in the lives of those who love him. But wait, there's more. Those who love Jesus, who have God's Holy Spirit living in us, we await a time when the dwelling of God, fulfillment, the three-in-one trinity, will be with us. So in Revelations 21, verses 1 to 4, some great imagery here. Then uh, John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is the church. This is us. Prepared as a bridegroom, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things will pass away. This is the fulfilment of the people of God, the climax, the end of the old broken way, the beginning of the new whole and restored way. Now, it seems to be the constant action of God to reveal himself, 
to seek to demonstrate that he loves people, that he wants them to know him, that he is relevant, that he is imminent in their lives. God wants you, God wants you to know that he is totally relevant, close at hand. Do you know that? Moses asked the question, you know, would you and your transcendence really get involved in our lives? And God says, yes, I will. Yes, I am. But then the passage goes on. There is a response. The people who um, Moses communicates this to, Moses himself, he responds in a way about this revelation. What's their response? Let's have a look. Verse 9. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. And the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Doubt. Disbelief, they didn't listen. Their response in their predicament is that, God, you're irrelevant. Blinded by life's hardships, God appears not close enough, not interested enough perhaps, to really help in life. What is your response to this revelation tonight? Is it doubt? Is it disbelief? Can't really listen or take it in because of what's going on in your life. Or maybe I feel like I'm struggling to understand this a bit at the moment. I want to know it more, I just don't know how. Or maybe it's, yeah, God is awesome. I know this. Yes, I believe this is true. Yes, I know that God's close and his spirit lives in me. I wonder what your response is. Now recently I seem to have been having quite a few conversations with people about uh, how they're tracking in their faith, asking people if they experience the close proximity to God. And it seems that quite a number of us are feeling a bit disconnected. And I've been asking them, I have this little thing I do now, some of you have had it, (laughs) let me do it to you. But I ask this question of them. I say, do you know that when God sees you, He sees you as his child. He sees you as a saint. He sees you as a redeemed person. He looks at you and he says, you are pure, you are spotless, you are holy, you are without blemish. I say, do you believe this to be true? Do you feel this? Do you know this? And quite often the response is, no. I wonder what you would say. That if you trust in Jesus, God right now, he says, you are my child. You are a saint. I love you. You are holy. You are without sin. You are free. From accusation. You have a hope in heaven, a room that's dusted and ready for you. 
Do you know this to be true? God wants us to know him as both transcendent, mighty, powerful God, as well as imminent God who loves you, who has given his spirit who lives in you, who is the Father who has set you free from sin completely and has brought you into his people. God doesn't want you to believe that he is irrelevant and distant from your life. Do you want to know God as imminent? Do you want to know God deeper and not feel a disconnection? Because if you do, there is a way. It's like the missing link between just intellectually knowing about it, the presence of God, and then growing a relationship with God, getting to know him deeper and deeper. Now, some would say the missing link is, and perhaps this is what you do when you feel disconnected, I've got to read the Bible more. I've got to um, speak to more people about my faith. I've got to go to small group every week. I've got to go to church every week. That's the missing link for some people. Now, these are essential. These are essential to growing your faith, but they are not. They are not the missing link. It's interesting as Christians how we often revert to that, isn't it? I'm feeling distant, got to work harder. Feeling distant, got to read the Bible more. It's great, read the Bible. It's not the missing link. We sit here and we listen to communion tonight. The missing link is the cross. There is no other way. The missing link is faith in Jesus Christ who died there for our sin, who now lives in heaven with the Father. Total surrender to Jesus Christ. Receiving what he says is true. So you can hear it over and over again, this stuff, the way God sees you, but do you have faith and receive it? That's what I'm asking. There's only one way, people, of daily knowing the imminence of God. There's only one way of being confident that when he looks at you, he sees a child. And that's by receiving it through faith in Jesus Christ. Daily putting your trust in Jesus, that he died for you on the cross. It's not what you do, it's where your faith is. If you're unsure or you doubt whether God is interested in you or you are feeling disconnected from God, you need to do business with Jesus Christ again to work out whether you can put your trust in him. Don't delay. Respond in faith. And uh, it's something, you know, you hear a message and you go, oh, yeah, got to do that. It's like, I can't do it for you. Senior pastor can't do it for you. It's something that we need to go away and actually spend time engaging with it. Um, If you find it hard, go, I find this hard. Say to him, God, I find it hard. Please help me receive this grace, receive this the way you see me. Help me put my faith in you more. 
that I know this is who I am. Let me conclude. I once uh, saw a 3D movie at, uh, at Movie World on the Gold Coast, and um, you get to put on these um, funky glasses, and it's like one blue lens and one red lens. You got these really cool cardboard rims. Anyone familiar with that sort of stuff? Um, might be a bit old school now, I'm not sure. Um, and you watch this movie, right, and you put these glasses on, and it's like the things on the screen seem to just kind of come out at you. You know, they're like off the screen and they're like in your face more. And um, the movie we were watching um, with these funky glasses on was of the guy, or one of the scenes anyway, was the guy and he had one of those um, bats with the elastic with a little red ball in the end. He's kind of like, talk, talk, talk like this. So he's kind of like hitting the ball and like people in the audience were going like, whoa, you know, whoa. <laughs> and then he goes like, hey, you in the back row, smack. And it's like the ball seems to come like right out and everyone goes like, ah, like ducks out of the way. And um, very fun to watch. Now, if you take the glasses off during the movie, everything just seems blurry. It's just like, whoa, like what's, what's going on here? Everything's blurry and unclear. The movie's just not what it's supposed to be. And if you didn't have the funky glasses on, um, you'd think the movie was dumb. You know, it's blurry. It's like I can't see it. It's stupid. And you disconnect from it. And no one would hold it against you if you walked out. If you want to see the relevance of God and not feel disconnected, then you need to surrender your life to God and put your faith in Christ. That's for a believer every day. It's a a living faith in Christ, a living faith day by day that enables you to see God for who he is and to see who you are in him that you are a dearly loved child of God that's been given a spirit to help you in life. You know, without placing your faith in Christ, you know, a living faith in every day, you will never understand the imminence of God in your life. God will simply remain distant, irrelevant, and blurry. So tonight, let me encourage you to do business there again. Read the Bible, be prayers, be regular churchgoers, small group. But find yourself in Christ. Put your faith there. Let's pray.